When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is going on? Hard Out Breakdown, episode 185. And today we are joined by our homie Colin from Promise Game, Hot Punk from New Hampshire. Colin, what's going on, dude? What's going on, Mikey? How you doing, man? Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Hell yeah, man. And you're listening to the fresh track from Promise Game. Connecticut just came out yesterday yeah. right or i'm like yeah. losing track of days yeah it just dropped uh it dropped this week yeah we actually did a we 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 did a uh non-music uh, non-friday release with this one actually we were trying to test some stuff out but we did a we dropped this on wednesday of this week but yeah you know a lot of people kind of saw it on friday on the release radar and stuff like that so yeah it's been out for a couple of days it's uh we're loving it we're loving the reception we're getting hell yeah so tell me about that wednesday release because you know sometimes releasing on friday like that's what people expect, but it can then sometimes like flood it. Like your release yeah. radar can be pretty flooded. So do you feel like having the Wednesday release worked out in your favor or like, I guess, tell us what, what you've noticed with that. Yeah. So we definitely like, we saw, we weren't, we didn't know what to expect cause we've never done it. Um, and um, I know of some bands that have done it in the past. They said they've had good, you know, they've had good results with it. Some said that they didn't. Um, our main thing was, yeah, like, you know, the release radar kind of one thing of it being flooded is, you know, universal across the board. Um, but our, you know, kind of looking at like the timing of the year too, we, we, we did want to get something out. We wanted to get this out in, in 2022. Um, and we didn't want to get it too close to the Christmas season, but the way things kind of happened was it just kind of got that way. We've been re- we were really busy with like preparing for our tour and things like that. So um, we decided to like push it back a little bit. And then when we started getting more towards like that December date, you know, it was like, oh are we going to be flooded not only on a friday with release radar but is it just going to be a bunch of christmas songs and like then totally get like pushed off to the side because you know a lot of times that could happen especially with i think christmas being like the the main one where that you see a lot of cover songs and things like that so that's kind of where it was at um we had a great first day um some of the really like honestly the same type of numbers we've seen on fridays um with the release radar and everything like that and on top of that it's just been doing really well like even you know the last couple days we've been kind of watching it um we don't have our statistics really from yesterday yet just yet um with release with the new music friday but we saw the numbers and we're we're just we're happy with it for sure i think we're going to be able to kind of see 
what the difference of that Wednesday to Thursday looks like more like a week or so um, just to kind of like, you know, really have a better, like a seven day kind of overview of, okay, where were the spikes? Where were the peaks? And I think we are going to see really that spike on a Wednesday, which is really cool. Um, and probably will be one of the higher spikes at this point. So I don't know. Like I, I think the jury's still out. Um, we've only done it once and it kind of worked but it's not like it was the most successful thing we've ever done. Um, I think we might try it again with like a Thursday or a Tuesday or something like that down the road. Um, but, you know, I, I think we're definitely happy with how it's been performed at this point in terms of statistics. But at the end of the day too, like we don't, we don't put a ton of, you know, stock into streaming and counts like stuff like that. Um, the reception we've been getting from people is way more important to us. Um, and I know a lot of bands will say that, but we really do like mean it to the point of like, we'd much like, it's cool. Like the song's doing well, but we, when somebody reaches out to us or, or a press outlet, basically just hears the song with a, with a press release. And then they just write an article about it without any sort of, you know, outreach really other than just making them aware of it. That speaks louder than, to, to us, I think collectively than, you know, streams and stuff like that. Absolutely. So yeah. I guess give us a little backstory. I know you said you wanted to get Connecticut out kind of yeah. before the, before the new year. <clears throat> um, yeah. So like, was that kind of like a one-off track that you recorded or were there like a few singles that you went into the studio to, to kind of pound out? Yeah. So after we, so that this song was written basically after our first tour that we ever did as a band. Um, the song is literally about our day in Connecticut that we spent. And so it's, it's something that like we had been, we had kind of like workshopped very, you know, early on at like back in May, June. Um, and it's been in the works and actually we've been playing it live uh, since I want to say we debuted it in our, our last New Hampshire show in September. So we actually played it live seven times before it even came out um and that was kind of part of it i think it was like everyone was just like every time we played at a show like someone would be like that's my new favorite song and it'd be like, <laughs> it'd be like damn it <laughs> i wish it was out already because like it, you know like that we were we kind of realized that we were losing a little bit of that steam and i was like oh man Cause we did a little, I think we did a little backwards, which is fine. Like we were just, we don't care again. Like we're excited to share our music. And when we started wanting to play it live, we had, you know, our last show of the year in New Hampshire, we were playing a headlining set and we had a, we had a long set and we were kind of thinking about it, like, do we play it? And we're like, screw it. Let's just play it. We all love the song and we know people are going to love it. Who cares if it's not out yet. And, but then we set ourselves up to have to play it until, you know, all the way through our tour. And then basically releasing the song two weeks after our tour. Um, so, you know, that's kind of where the timing kind of went to it and why we wanted to get it out this year, because so many people have already heard it live. And a lot of people just told us that like, oh my God, I really like that song. Like, I honestly think that, you know, we always hear that one of our songs, Thanks for the Anxiety Live is really what a lot of people enjoy. Like we always get that from feedback, but this was like Connecticut ever since we played it live, like everybody that's told us that they really enjoyed a song it was that one so i think that had a lot to do with why we wanted to get it out um and again you know in our in our world that's just like we were we're looking to share our music and we want and you know we want to write music we want to share it you know we do care about you know streams and we care about you know the strategy and everything like that which is why we kind of you know made sure we have a strong strategy behind doing this release when you know maybe you're not really releasing 
a song at this time of the year um, being the type of band we are. I think you, you definitely see a lot less releases from, you know, the bands that are, you know, in our level in the scene um, right around, you know, obviously Christmas, unless it's a cover. Right. So. Mm-hmm. So was the song actually recorded before you started playing it live or were you like playing it live and then we we're like, oh, crap, we got to record yeah, that this. thing. Yeah. So we went uh, we actually went into the studio for the first time with a longtime friend of ours. Um, we've always worked with Revelry Studios in Manchester, New Hampshire. Um, Matt Blanchett over there is like one of the best producers in the world. We tell everybody to work with him um but we've never worked with this this friend of ours that we've all a lot of us have actually done recordings with him in the past for many different projects so it was really cool to kind of get to work with him on this one and um yeah we went in in october actually the beginning of of october so it was it, it had been basically mixed and mastered for almost a month before we before we shared it however we were not mixed and mastered for a month it was basically a couple weeks before we went on tour and we didn't want to muddy it and you know basically we were talking about getting closer to like you know thanksgiving and things like that so you know we kind of workshopped a couple different things and you know we were really do we do we do this before the end of the year do we not do we hold it till january do we hold it till february and i think it was just like you know what let's get out there everyone loves it let's just do it so that's kind of where we were at with it um you know we, we were hoping it was actually going to be ready for tour and we just had some changes that we were making. So we wanted to make, and that was kind of the other thing behind this. Um, even though it's been recorded and mixed and, and things like that for a while, it's been one of the songs we've put most of our time and effort into to make sure that it's exactly how we wanted it to be without a doubt. Now, are, are there other songs you're, you're sitting on as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we've been, and that's kind of, you know, where we're at right now with, with, um, you know, what we're doing as a band. So, you know, our last show of the year of 2022 was our last show of that tour. We just went on the 13th out in Baltimore. Um, we, we generally as a band always kind of do a winter mm-hmm. shutdown um, for various different reasons. Um, but the main goal in, you know, be, between, you know, what we're doing now, basically at the, you know, we started kind of right after our tour, a little bit before the tour, um, really writing and utilizing the next couple months to set ourselves up with some tracks for the next year, you know, for the coming year. Um, but yeah, we have right now, I think we're sitting on four tracks that are just in the works. Um, and we really don't know what we're going to do with everything yet. Like we're, you know, we're very, we always try to be very strategic, especially when we're putting together um, a collection, whether it be an LP or an EP. We haven't done an LP yet. We've done two EPs. Um, so we're trying to figure out what we want to do, um, you know, after doing two EPs, you know, thinking about what's going to be kind of the best way to go about it. If it's, you know, we're doing a bunch of singles and then put them all together. So um, that's all in the work still, but we're writing music like actively like crazy. Um, we just had a awesome writing session a couple of days ago. <clears throat> um, really just putting together the type of songs that you can kind of hear in Connecticut. That's where we're going. We're kind of taking, we're, I don't know how it happened, but we just became like that first EP we did was very pop punk and we all love that album and we still play a bunch of songs off it when we play live, but we're kind of shifting more towards a uh, like more like rock emo type kind of vibe um, with pop punk tendencies. Cause that's never going to go away from our band, but um, that's kind of where we're going with our sound. So Connecticut's kind of like a nice representation of, a little bit of the shift that we're kind of going through. And a lot of that too is, you know, we haven't, we, this is our first song we recorded with our lead guitar player, Mike. Um, He joined the band like right before we went on tour. I think he played one show before he went on the tour that Connecticut is, you know, 
inspired on back in May. So this song was the first time we ever recorded with him. It's really the first song we wrote with Mike. Um, and I think, you know, his influences and being a good guitar player and the type of music that he listens to has brought a really nice, fresh uh, kind of feel to this band. And, you know, if you listen to Connecticut compared to like even Any Reason to Party, they're totally two different songs. Um, so that's kind of where this band's moving to, especially with the new music we're writing. Amen. So I guess let's dive into the history of Promise Game because, you know, just going based on your releases, it seems like you guys started you know, <clears throat> releasing music in 2020, which is kind of like in the middle of a pandemic or so it is yeah. Promise Game like a pandemic band like you guys were <laughs> all in other bands before kind of put it on the, the back burner and then you're like, why don't we start doing music again? Is that kind of it's, the story? It is that. <clears throat> it is that, but it's actually not like we were in other bands. So basically, we started this band right before. Like, so we say we are established in 2020 because we really are. Um, we started playing like in my basement. Like, I had this idea with uh, the original uh, synth player who's no longer in the band, Eric. Um, I just had like, I was just like, hey, why aren't we like, play? like, we were always going to shows and our whole and the people in the band, we were going to shows with these guys. And I'm just like, we're all musicians. We've all played in bands like, you know, in, in our career, like in our lives. I, you know, we played shows together. I played shows with Adam when I was 15 years old um, and I'm 35 now. So like 20 years ago, I was playing music with these guys, never in the same band, though. Um, so it was just like one of those things it was like, and it was actually pre COVID. It was like a couple, it was like a month or a month and a half before, um, we, we had like maybe two rehearsal, like two practices. Right. And we were just doing pop punk covers. We were doing nineties songs, kind of obscure nineties songs, um, you know, from larger artists, but not the ones that may be their most popular song. Um, and we were just kind of screwing around with stuff like that. And when the pandemic hit, it was basically like at the same exact time. I remember it was like a week or two before that. We were like, wow, we really should just like make this an actual band. Like we should be a band like and not just be screwing around playing pop punk covers and in, in Colin's basement. Like we have something here. So then when the pandemic hit, we were kind of like a little bit in kind of full steam. We wanted to get going with it. And it definitely put a, a huge pause on everything. And that's when we kind of said, all right, we know we're not going to be able to play shows. That's that's very apparent. Um, how do we utilize like as a brand new band going into COVID with no no bass, no nothing, <clears throat> um, no music on Spotify, no music on anywhere, like no social media presence. It was like, what do we do? Like, how do we actually do this? Like, because all we knew as musicians especially like somebody like me, I, the last band I played in when I, I was 22, 23. So it was like 10 years ago, 10 years in between me playing in a band. And all I knew was going to show, playing shows and hustling my music and hustling my merch and, and just getting in front of people. Well, we couldn't do that. So we were kind of like, what the hell do we do here? Um, it was awesome because we just like, we connected with so many people and I'll give a shout out to, you know, like, like goalkeeper uh you know mark especially and justin from cheer up dusty um i just like literally reached out to those two just like online and they were just so like helpful and instrumental in us like kind of figuring out how to get ourselves involved in the community um and you know kind of like find a good spot and like figure and and leveraging that community to really figure out what we were going to do and how we were going to promote our music without being able to just go play shows um 
So, you know, without like, I kind of always say that when people ask about the history, because I think a lot of the reason why Promise Game is as successful as we are is because we've really leveraged the the scene, the community and everybody really coming together. And a lot of bands that don't do that, um, they're missing out. And I always like to just like, make sure you're talking with bands like you know everything like you know a lot of people always ask us like oh how did you play how'd you go on tour like after playing only like three shows with driveways and it's like because i went to a driveway show and i walked up to their booth and i introduced myself and i started talking to them and next thing i knew we were booking a tour like so that's like you know that's really kind of like the, the history of promise game and it's not just me doing it like my band is like just Every, every time we have the opportunity to make new friends and, you know, help other bands out, that's part of kind of who we are. And I think that's really helped us get to where we are today, um, you know, with kind of from like a historical perspective, not playing a ton of shows. I think I think we still have under 20 shows, um, you know, that's obviously from the pandemic. But, um, you know, a lot of those shows and a lot of the things that we've done have really come from just being a part of the community. So. You know, from a historical, like I said, from a historical perspective, um, Promise Game is not just like us. Like, I honestly think like we've worked so well together with so many bands that have just given us great opportunities to this point. So, hell yeah. So, um, yeah. You, you mentioned your community and your communities, New Hampshire and like New England. Yeah. And, you know, just by kind of being an outsider looking in and like kind of when a tour poster comes out, like I always check to see like what venues and stuff people are playing at new hampshire's not always on there <laughs> never and not not really often. Never. Like other, <laughs> other than like keep flying because literally keep flying and i play. and i book and i booked that i booked those keep flying shows <laughs> those yeah, are me i booked those at, i booked those at jewel um so yeah uh i you know that's that's a great point because a lot of people don't really realize that we don't have a I'll be straight up honest. We do not have a scene in New Hampshire. Um, there is a, there is a metal scene. Um, you know, I think, uh, so a lot of the work that I, I used to work, I, I still do a little bit of work with New Hampshire booking. Um, you know, not as much as I used to, I've got other stuff that I've been working on in the music world. Um, but you know, they do a great job at bringing awesome big name acts into kind of like one venue. And that one venue is, you know, something that it's like, it's not the it's not the house of blues it's not you know uh a, a thousand room cap it's you know like it's a 400 more. room cap it is a great room um everybody that plays it loves it um but we don't have that spot for like the wonder years to come to like i just saw a poster posted today the wonder years is playing at the state theater in maine so a lot of people like maine has places to play they have the state theater they've got actually they have like three places that you could go you could get some good sized band in there New Hampshire, we don't have any. We have one that's like in the middle of nowhere um, that you can bring in like kind of that size, like, a, you know, like a one. I'm just like saying the one years because I saw that today. But like, you know, we just don't have those rooms. Um, we have we have big, big, big type stuff like Meadowbrook, which is like an outdoor arena with like, you know, the half shell and the lawn and everything like oh, that. Yeah. But that's not, you know, I, I mean, I saw, I saw falling in reverse there. Like, so like, that's like, that kind of gives you the kind of idea, like, uh, what was it? Yeah. Hollywood undead falling in reverse. So like, we don't just have like that nice kind of mid cap place where we can bring in bands like Silverstein's never going to come to New Hampshire. Like there's nowhere for them to play. Um, so that kind of is why we have to, we, we couldn't, just leverage our local community. Like we don't live in New Jersey. We don't live in Texas. We don't live in California. And 
it, people in bands kind of know that those are hot spots, right? You know, there's a ton of bands, there's a ton of activity, and there's just great scenes. <clears throat> we don't have that. We have to really kind of try to, and that's why, you know, we're kind of thinking what we're doing for going forward from playing shows is we really want to start focusing, maybe not so much on going down to Baltimore and going out to, you know, way out in New York somewhere on the, on the, you know, the West, the Western side of New York. We need to really focus on Massachusetts, Maine, Vermont, Connecticut, Rhode Island, like the New England area more because New Hampshire, we don't have that kind of like go home and we can play, you know, three shows in one month in our state. We have we could probably play a show every month and a half to two months in our state. And that would and even then I'd be a little worried about, you know, the draw being the same, you know, for what we do in our state because we do draw well, but it's like, you know. There's just, it's different out here. No, it's not like people just go to shows just to go to shows. It's, it's much different. So we're trying to get much more involved in Boston, um, in Worcester, in the Massachusetts world. Like I said, you know, from a network perspective, <clears throat> that's where a lot of the bands we play from, uh, we play with are from, um, because there's not, honestly, there's, I, I can count the number of true pop punk bands in New Hampshire on one hand, like one hand, like, like it's unbelievable to be honest with you. It's really actually hard to book shows sometimes too. Um, Cause you always have to, I, I mean, literally we always have Massachusetts bands and, and Maine and Connecticut because, you know, there just aren't a ton of bands <clears throat> in our genre out here. I would say even just in the alternative world, it's, it's definitely more metal driven out in New Hampshire. So we just have to continue to work on expanding into like those other areas and just getting our foothold a little bit bigger. But we've played in all those spots. It's just more like we have to we definitely have to kind of put more effort into making that part of our kind of draw in our scene. So you're saying, though, New Hampshire has either like super like large venues or like really small like DIY. Yeah. Spots? So like, yeah. So like um, so like to give you an example. So we have Meadowbrook, which is like a big one. <clears throat> like that's where you get like, you know, uh, John Mayer's played there a bunch. Right. So. Uh, then you have the the Civic Center, which is in downtown uh, Manchester, which is our largest city in New Hampshire. Uh, that's like that's just the big stuff. That's you know I think that's a thirty thousand person arena. So you get big stuff there. And then there's another spot um, out in Laconia, which is in the Lakes region, which is you know one of the probably the nicest places to be in this state, uh, other than the ocean. Um, but they have a place out there. And you, you see some big names like Black Flag played there this summer. Um, that room is more like the Palladium, like or like a, like a smaller House of Blues. Um, it's not as big, in it, but it does kind of get close to that. And it does get larger bands to, to play there. But I've never been to a show there. I'll tell you that right now. Um, it is definitely more uh, rock and metal, like um you know bands that have kind of been they're on their like third fourth leg of the career type stuff um so that's kind of like really <clears throat> the only one that i would even consider like a place like from a size perspective like a a band like a newfound glory could come play they would be like close to that they could probably they might be too big still but that's the only thing close and then everything else like the next one down is jewel music venue where i've booked a lot of shows and promise game has played a good amount of shows there as well and we've had great shows there and that's a it's a good venue it's a great venue um we had an awesome like really really big show calling all captains driveways goalkeeper it was when goalkeeper and uh, calling all captains went on tour together this year this summer 
Um, we played that show and then we had our homies, we demand parachutes play that show too. And it was just insane. Um, so that, but that's only a 400 cap room and it's really, in my opinion, it's like 350. So that's the draw. And then after that, it's bars with stages. It's really gotcha. all it is. There's really not a lot. We have this really cool place called the Tupelo music hall. Um, but it's all seated. Uh, they get some amazing artists. Like I saw Mark Cohen there. He was um, like, he's just, I don't know if you're familiar with Mark Cohen. He's a nine 80s, 90s kind of guy, Americana type stuff. Walking in Memphis. Um, okay, yeah. Saw, yeah, walking in Memphis. So I saw <laughs> him there. But like that's it. And if they took all the seats out of that place, that would be the venue, right? That would be the type of venue that you're kind of used to seeing like our type of music at. But it's all seated. Um, so same, there's a couple other theaters that are just really nice in our, in our town, like our major cities that are just seated venues and you just can't have our type of music at that place. Like you just can't. Dude, let's, let's bring back seated venues. I'm all for that in my <laughs> Right, and just I would like, go to yeah, way let's... more. Sh- I would go to way more shows if I was seated and I could just like chill out and listen to good music. I agree because I think at our age, like we both said, we're 35. I don't really like. I kind of like dance like once or twice. Half the time, I'm just like you know, just kind of doing this. Like I'm dancing and stuff, but like I don't need to be like I don't. I don't go into mosh pits. I don't go into the crowds. I don't do any of that anymore because I have an ACL and I'm ACL surgery and I'm never doing that again. So it's like. I'm with you. I, I wish we could sell seated shows. I really do. Yeah, I would That'd go awesome. to so many shows that way. Like, <laughs> the last warped, the last warp tour, and I, I haven't told this story in a, a long time, but the last warp tour came to Charlotte and played like the outdoor amphitheater, but it, the the main stage was un, under the pavilion that had like an yep. overhang and ceiling oh, fans and seats. And nice. I sat, I, I like went there for like the first band. I forget who even was the first band. And I like sat down and then like, before I knew it, I was just like, oh my God, I've been here for like six hours and have it. <laughs> and, and then the rest of the day went by and I was like, yep, I'm not leaving. Like I literally sat yeah, in the great. same <laughs> seat for the entire warp Tour. And like, there was a ton That's of bands awesome. that were playing on the outskirts that I wanted to see. But you were like, nah, I'm I was like, nah, it's like way too hot. I'm not doing that. I've done, I've done. <laughs> you were tours. in the shade. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was a ceiling fan. It was beautiful. There was a nice breeze. And at one point it started to rain and like, yeah, I was you were good. All good. So I went that, to, a, I went to I a warp Tour. I went to a warp tour, same thing, same exact setup, uh, probably like the same exact like they're all the same. Like they got the pavilion and then the yard or something up top, right? Yeah, I did the same thing and I and we did it for another festival too. And I did the same exact thing with my brother. I'll never forget. We were like, nah, it's too hot. We were in some we we're in um we we're in uh where were we? We were in North Carolina. He lived in um Charlotte. It was in Charlotte, and it was like a hundred degrees out of the sun with like crazy humidity and we were just like we're not moving we're staying in the shade and the only shade was under that pavilion you're talking about so we just didn't move we we missed yeah. a bunch of bands we wanted to see but it was like nope <laughs> i'm not doing it yep same situation uh, cool so um i do want to talk about you know how how you have been you know helping bands book tours and stuff and recently you started your own management company with don't yeah. blink right so like yeah yeah t- tell us about that because that's super cool and yeah don't blink was like, 
Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. No, um, don't blink. Definitely spawned off. Of, everything kind of spawned off a promise game. Um, everything I'm doing from a music perspective, I like just have to like thank my, my, my buddies and promise game so much um, because if we didn't start this band, I would have never really dive, dove into kind of something that's been a passion of mine for a long time. And I was just talking to my wife about this the other day when we were in call, I've, I've been with her for 16 years now. And she was like, she reminded me, she's like, do you remember that thing? Lucky street records you wanted to start when you were back in college. And it was like, like a MySpace days, dude. Like yeah, based like, on the cartel song cartel. There you go. Yeah. Hold on. I gotta look my dog in. Oh yeah. You're good. Um, yeah, so so like, but she was like, Do you remember that? I'm like, Yeah, and she's like, like, Look at the kind of full circle here. I'm like, I know it's crazy, it's like 20 years later, but um, yeah, it all kind of started with um, the plan of how I kind of saw a way to help promote Promise Game really in the beginning. And I noticed that the more you can connect with bands and, and network with bands was going to be the best way to expose, get our music out there and get other people to share it with their audiences and things like that. So we started, I started uh, just a Spotify playlist called Defend and Support the Scene. And this was back in like 2001 when we basically started releasing music. Um, it was more or less just a tactic, a way where I was like, all right, this would be a great way to kind of just build some sort of, way for our music to be collect in a collection with other people. Right. And maybe get some mirrors on it. And then the next thing I knew it started like really growing, doing well. Um, I quickly like it, it, one of the places we, and again, I have to give a lot of, you know, credit to where I am right now in the music world to Squatch in the Pit. I don't know if you're familiar with those guys. Um, they are a media broadcasting company and now they own a record store in Elmira, New York. Um, but they were basically one of the first outlets that like played us on their radio station. And next thing I knew I was doing a radio show because of my, you know, they came to me and said, we love what you're doing with this defend and support the scene playlist. You know, I was getting bands involved and we were getting a lot of exposure on the playlist. And they were like, would you want to bring that onto our radio network and do a show every week, just, you know, playing your playing songs from your playlist. So I've actually been doing that for like two and a half years. We just moved over to the asylum radio network, um, which has been awesome um, being on that network. Uh, but I'm still working with those guys doing that. And um, it's still called, I, I it's now rebranded because we got rid of the kind of defend and support the sing, uh, scene thing I was doing. Um, and we're really kind of just doing the same thing with the radio show and the playlist, um, you know, that kind of spawned into now what I'm doing with Don't Blank, uh, because it was, you know, again, Don't Blank was even when I say spawned by Promise Game, it's something that I decided I wanted to do based on the experiences that Promise Game went through <clears throat> over the last two years, um, you know, good and bad. Um, you know, and it kind of was just like one of those things where I saw uh, a need in the in the industry, in our world, working with, you know, mid-sized bands that are really trying to take that next step um, to work with somebody that kind of has been in the trenches, especially and, and not something that I've been doing for you know 20 years, obviously. But, you know, very quickly uh, from a business perspective, learned that there are a lot of gaps in how things are done. And um, I saw that from a booking and management perspective, you know, a lot of bands and, and kind of what we've been trying to do. And with a lot of the opportunities we've been given, 
I didn't see a lot of connection in trying to run a band like a business when you're working with some of these people that, you know, were offering us their services. And I'm not saying that's across the board. We've we, we've never signed with a management company or any sort of label or anything like that. Um, but we've had some really great opportunities to do so with with some awesome folks. And we've just decided to stay kind of DIY. Um, but it's kind of the idea of like what where I saw like, you know, a lot of bands might have a lot of things they do really well and, but there might be areas that they just don't do well in and it could be holding them back in a lot of different ways. So I just kind of like one day was, I was in South Carolina. I was in, um, I was in Hilton head and I did a flyer for a band, like just off, like I was just doing flyers for bands. They kind of saw me doing all the stuff and I would charge them like 10, 15 bucks for a flyer or something like that. Um, I used to call, I, I still call it the homie rate. So like, uh, you know, bands that I'm friends with, I'll just do it like a, sometimes I'll, I'll most of the time I'll just do it for free. <laughs> um, but like, I was just sitting there and I did this flyer and I was just like, why, like this could like this, even just like this one little flyer, like it's just a gap. And, and I kind of started thinking about it more and I was just like, there's so many gaps. There's so many things that bands do well, but there's obviously things that they don't do well. I started talking to Tyler Johnson from, you know, we had, I had done work with him with scene daddy. Um, you know, he's the president of scene daddy and, you know, he's just a really, really, really strong uh, publicist. And that was one of the things that I thought was something that would be important to kind of building around too. So when I started talking with him and we kind of put this all together, it really just meshed really well. And we've been, you know, we've been fortunate enough to have a lot of, you know, quick growth right off the bat working with bands that, again, I know through Promise Game. Um, you know, it's really kind of all ties back, like without Promise Game, without what we've done in the last three years, I wouldn't be helping bands from a management and booking perspective and things like that. So it's, it's been really awesome. Um, we have some great bands that we're working with right now um, all across the country. Um, and it's just, it's really, again, we're, we're, you know, it is a full, it's a business and we're, 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 you know, doing what we're doing, but it's also just another extension, I think of the networking and the connection aspect of just making sure that, you know, success really does kind of come from everybody working together. And that's what Don't Blink is built off of, um, you know, kind of, you know, when we call it a music group, that was something that I actually, I didn't just put music group after it. I really want it to be a group. It's something that we all work together. Um, and it's been awesome because we've had, you know, we've had some success already with bands working together, putting things together, um, using connections and helping each other out. It's been awesome. It's been really good. And one of the bands that you guys have, I guess, on your roster is, is Driveways. And I know you mentioned how you guys have, like, formed that relationship. But, like, yeah. you know, Driveways is kind of like one of those mystery bands. Like, Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> especially someone that's not from New England. Like, Yeah. I, I'll tell you, like, though, they draw everywhere, the though. <laughs> it's crazy. I know. Like, I'm salivating at the day when they play close to me. Like, I know. But. I don't even know if that's ever going to happen. No, it's going to happen. So yeah, like... it'll, it'll happen at some point. <laughs> I'm sure it'll happen at some point. No. Yeah. We work with them. I work, I work with them on a booking perspective. I really just help them out. Um, you know, they, I don't do, and I don't even do all their booking. Um, like they're, you know, 
we again everything i do is really gap filling so you know where where a band like driveways needs help i basically just step in and and, and do that right um and we're, again we're only work i say i because um Tyler doesn't really do the booking stuff for Don't Blink Yet. He's really focused on the uh, on the publicity and some of the management stuff too. But you know, it is it really was like just that kind of uh, relationship forming thing. Like when I started this, I reached out and I just said, you know, is there anywhere? You know, we've worked with each other a bunch, and the the first tour that we went on, I I did a lot of the logistics behind it, um, and I think that was just really a, a good way to build relationship with all the bands that we went on that tour with. Um, you know, since then we've been you know playing shows with all those guys. Um, so that kind of yeah, that relationship formed through Promise Game and things like that. And when we started up the business, um, you know, I reached out and. We're, we're, we're working to try to get them more exposure out there. You know, like, as you said, they're a mystery band, right? Um, it's insane. Like everywhere they go, they just, they just pack a room. It's, it's unbelievable. They're just like, they're so good. But, and, and that's where I'm just kind of really just helping them out, trying to, you know, expand their reach a little bit. Um, you know, you, I, I, everyone knows now they're tonight, they're playing down in Pittsburgh. Um, they played in Baltimore last night and they're on a run with Alistair. So like a little weekender with Alistair. So they're definitely, um, you know, I think they're, you're going to see them, you know, playing more stuff, you know, and yeah, it's weird though. Everyone kind of always like asks me like, driveways is like one of the best bands ever but they don't like play a lot of shows do they and i'm like i i don't know what to tell you they're they're gonna start they're gonna you're gonna start seeing a a shift because i think one thing we've all realized right they're just an amazing band i think they're starting to see that like they you know you go on one of their instagram posts and it's like where should we play and there's like 300 comments and they're not like they're all different they're all throughout the country so they see that right and they're like all right we gotta like start doing more so you're I I, I I mean i can't like share anything i don't really you know i don't really know what to tell you but i know that they're definitely trying to play you know they're trying to get out there more i know for a fact and you know they're i don't know if you, you've never seen them uh it is it is a spectacle uh just to see even how people like react to their music i think is one of the coolest things um you know the music is is amazing but then you see people like getting into it like the way they are and you know i always i always like my wife always laughs too. Like they're so New England, they're so Boston. Like you can oh, yeah. hear it in, like you can just it oozes out through them, and it's just it's it's amazing. And you know they they really do have a stronghold, I think, on the scene right now. And uh, I think a lot more people are starting to you know get in, get uh, introduced to them, which is which is huge. Yeah, I, I feel like they'd be perfect to just go on like the festival circuit, and just like. <sighs> Because they're, you know, I know that they're teachers. They've been on the show before and, and yep. shared that. So, like, how perfect would it be for them to just, like, play a few festivals yep. over the summer? Like, well, they wouldn't have to worry uh, yeah, about taking off work uh, and things like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think you're going to, yeah, you're going to see them definitely starting to do that more type of stuff down the road. And um, I, you know, I know just from a perspective, like, even playing with them, like, you know, you know that there's they 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 could easily just go across the, the country and do a and do a festival run easy um and it would blow them up too that's the thing like i still think there's a lot of uh people in the industry that are unfamiliar with driveways um, oh yeah that that when they like if and when they hear them they're gonna be like what the hell <laughs> but then you look at all their statistics too and again i'm not a huge statistics guy but when you look at statistics like theirs it's like holy crap um 
you know, compare them to some of the bands, even on Pure Noise, on uh, any of the majors. Like, and when I say majors, I say our majors, right? Yeah. Um, they they have statistics bigger than a lot of those bands, actually. Um, and you know, it, the music speaks for itself, and their live performance speaks for itself too. That's the thing. I think anybody that's ever seen Driveways, they're just like, oh my god, that band. I'm definitely seeing them again. <laughs> but it's also kind of like the mystery which gets people really yeah. hooked too like i feel like you got yeah you got to yeah. kind of walk that fine line because if all of a sudden they start playing like 200 shows a year yeah maybe that goes away like yeah I and i don't it. like yeah i get it too i think you know they they definitely have something that works really well um i know i know one thing's for sure about that band is they they love what they do they love what they're doing they they love playing music for people um like everybody though like we all have lives and stuff you know so you know that's definitely something you, you mentioned their teachers like yeah they are teachers and you know they take their careers pretty you know they they you know they take pride in that so it's like you know, finding that, that balance. Um, but at the same time too, <laughs> looking at their statistics, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, man, wish you guys would just like go tour the country forever. Just, just quit your jobs and go tour. <laughs> It'd be awesome. Um, but I think you're right though. I think that exclusivity factor plays a major part in kind of their brand. Um, because, you know, I'll tell you right now, when, when they play a sold out show in Boston, it is insane. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. <laughs> it was like yeah. one of the coolest nights I've ever had music wise. I would imagine sharing that stage with them. Yeah, it was amazing. Oh yeah. So Colin, I do want to dive into some hockey talk, but yeah. before we do that, I do have to tell everyone about our homies DraftKings. So hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just five dollars pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get one hundred dollars in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So, Colin, you, you mentioned before we started recording that you're mostly a diehard Bruins fan, but yeah. then also a little bit of Sabres, and I see the Pat LaFontaine jersey in the background. So yeah, I definitely want to stick, jump in. And, and, and the stick up there is from the uh, from the 93 team, too. So that's Pekka's up there and all those guys. and yeah, so Gosh, I, I definitely want to talk about the Bruins side, but why the why the Sabers? That's a little uh, odd yeah. for someone from New Hampshire. See, well, so that's that's the thing. So I am uh, I was born in New Hampshire, but then when I was one years old, my parents moved. Uh, my dad got, and that's why actually it's funny the the clock right there. That's an eight o'clock coffee clock, and it says four o'clock. Um, it always reads four o'clock because that's my nickname from New Hampshire. My dad's eight o'clock, and I'm four o'clock at the bar that we used to always he'd bring me to. Um, that's where my love of hockey came from. And uh, my dad, uh, when he worked at eight o'clock coffee, sponsored the Buffalo Sabres. We're from, and I was sorry, I was in Syracuse, New York. Um, so we were, you know, two hours away or an hour and a half away from Buffalo. So my parents are 
New England through and through. So I was raised a Bruins fan, a Patriots fan, a Red Sox fan. When the Sabres were going to Stanley Cups, the Bills were going to the Super Bowl four times in five years, and the Red Sox were just terrible. And it was obviously, you know, Yankees and all that. So like I was like a sports fan in like upstate New York. And I had to just like my parents, like my dad especially, was like, you can like the Sabres, but you're a Bruins fan. Like, just don't forget that you're a Bruins fan. And so he was, it was cool. Like I grew up like, going to Sabres games all the time because my dad was sponsoring the team um, with his company. Like I remember times going like our whole team, like our whole Pee Wee hockey team went to a game one time we all drove and it was really fun. Like we'd go out on trips and we'd bring some of the kids to games and things like that. So I was like always going to Sabres games. Like I would say going to like five or six a year as a kid. Um, so that's kind of where my love of, you know, the Sabres came up. My, my brother's a goalie. He's obsessed with Dominic Kashuk. I'm a center, you know, Pekka's, Pekka and LaFontaine are my guys. Like I just, I love, you know, I've always loved the Sabres, but it's kind of weird. I tell people that, uh, and they're like, but you're a Bruins fan. How can you like pull to those teams? And I'm like, you know what? It's not that big of a deal. Like they don't, they, they're never going to play each other in the, in the conference finals. So it's really, not, it's not going to matter. <laughs> so, when did you move back to New Hampshire from Syracuse? That on my uh, ninth birthday, right, and literally coming out of the locker. This is not a. This is not. This is real life. Leaving the uh, locker room from just winning like some tournament that we were in in Alexandria. Um, you know, it, literally hanging out with my friends. Get out of the hockey locker room in the car, driving to New Hampshire as a nine year old on my birthday. On my birthday, <laughs> that didn't like so, scar you. Or I will. Anything, I no, I'll never forget that. Right? I'll never forget that. I always tell my dad, "I'm like, you couldn't have waited one day." <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, that was when we moved back, and then um, that's actually it was funny because like when I came back, uh, hockey was, I would say hockey was definitely a little more at that at my age. For some reason, it just felt way more competitive out in New York. Um, so when, when I came out here, I, it was awesome. Like, I just, I felt like I had a little bit of leg up on everybody and it was great, but then I never grew. So, uh, you know, I was that five foot three in high school guy as a center, just, you know, using my smarts to, to be a starter. <laughs> so when you lived in Syracuse, did you go to Syracuse crunch games all the time? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So that was, um, oh, I still, I think I still have a puck. I think I still have a Syracuse. Was it like the crunch, there, like the crunch man? Yeah, like, the that dude coming like out, super... the dude coming. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. With the so they and then they uh when they first when I was there, they still had the orange, so it was like the purple and orange trim too. Um, like on their on the bottom of their jersey. Um, so that was like in the puck too. But yeah, the crunch were the crunch. So I would say I probably went to, you know, like probably a handful of crunch games. Um yeah, th those were fun. I'm trying to remember i don't i was super young too so i was probably you know like i said eight nine or something like that but i'm trying to remember what team that uh their eight who their affiliate was was it um oh god i wanted to i thought it i thought it was toronto but it's not see when i because i went to suny Cortland, which is basically right there oh you did oh yes. okay yeah so i i actually went to a bunch of crunch games and they were affiliated with the Columbus Blue Jackets at the time. That's probably who they are right now, too. That makes that makes probably sense. Yeah, and I'm trying to remember who they were when when it because I was that's this was like back in the '90s. Maybe they, and Columbus wasn't even a team back then. <laughs> but I'll never forget, man. There was this guy Nasty Morasty who was on the team, and he was actually just on Spit and Chicklets. Like, oh okay, oh or 
no, he was just on Terry Ryan's podcast. That's what it was. And he was an, a beast, man. Like he was unbelievable. He would literally get haymakers thrown at him and smile as he was just getting what position. Punched. Was he a defenseman? No, no. He was like a five foot five forward. Oh, I love and he and he can take a punch. I love those guys. Like damn, that's like uh Cicerelli, all those dudes. Oh god, I love that. <laughs> yeah. But he was sharing this story about how he was playing in the cage. And he was actually on that um, you know how Netflix just did that documentary about the yes. Danbury Thrashers? Yeah, he was on one of those teams. Oh, he was? Yeah. Nasty John oh. Morasti, nasty Morasti. And he was on the Syracuse Crunch. But oh, when I was there, the Crunch actually went on a deep playoff run and like uh, Derek Dorsett, uh, McKenzie, uh, Zenin oh, nice. Kanopka. Like they yeah. had a, a really they had, they had some guys. Yeah, Sestito, yeah. Tom Sestito. Oh, geez. He was on that team too. Yeah, dude. It was oh, like, <laughs> it was like goons, but also who could play hockey. Yeah. Like, who could play. Yeah. Zenin Kanopka. He, he, yeah. you know, ended up going playing for Tampa right. and the yeah. Islanders and a bunch of uh, Sabres too. I think he was on. For yeah. A he did while. play for Sabres. Yep. And he, he was like a stud, but he also, would throw down with anyone <laughs> i love that yeah it was a lot of fun that. watching those games my uh my ahl stuff is more like so like when we growing up like the manchester monarchs they mm-hmm. were they were like huge for our city um and i lived in i grew up in bedford which is i went to manchester west so i literally went to manchester high school um they were huge and i remember just seeing some of the like we had uh so many drop downs and so many guys actually coming up too right like so i watched jonathan quick for three seasons before he became Jonathan quick. <laughs> That's my favorite. And he's kind like, of a lo- local boy, right? He's from Hamden, yeah. Connecticut, which is, yep, you know, Connecticut. Yep. Yeah. Kind of so the same thing. yeah, there's guys like, there's just, it's, it's so cool. I love the, I loved the AHL for that reason. Um, it was like, and I, you know, I was younger. So like, and I, but I, I was like 16. So I was still Cubs going to games, but I could go buy a ticket for like 20 bucks and go watch just amazing hockey and like really like guys that are either, coming down and rehabbing or on their way up. And that for me, like I, I used to love going to HL games. I would, I would like go to more HL games than I would go to Bruins games, not even, and obviously cause it's right down the street, but I don't know. AHL had like a special place in my heart with the Monarchs for a long time. I went to a lot of Monarchs games. So what's the deal? Are they not a team They're anymore? Gone there. It's a ECHL team now. Yeah. So, you know, the team, it was basically when Los Angeles, so they were the, they were the farms, they were the affiliate for the Kings. Yep. And I think there's a lot of different stories on why they left. Um, I think it was two things. I think the city lost interest because you, I, I remember going to a game where they were playing the Hamilton Bulldogs and Bulldogs, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and they, it was a, it was a Calder cup playoff game. I think it was, and they were, uh, I think they were like the two seed and we were the four or the five or something like that. So it was a good, it was a good game. There was nobody there. We bought, we showed up, we bought tickets for 15 bucks. We sat on the glass, like, cause there was literally nobody there. And it was like, I remember I was with my brother and my, my wife and I was just like, this is sad. I remember being in here for games that didn't even matter. And you couldn't, you couldn't even move. Um, so I think that was a big part of it. But I also think it was mainly because of the Kings basically saying like, we can't like think of New Hampshire and think of where LA is. You yeah. got to bring a guy up tonight or tomorrow. Like a guy, get, a guy goes down. You got to get a guy here in San Jose for the next day. You got to fly him across country. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a major part of it, to be honest with you. I think like 
uh, you you heard rumblings of um, the executives not loving how far away it was from each other for scouting purposes, for all this type of stuff, right? So I think that played a major part in it. Um, and then now, yeah, like you literally go there. That's that's one of the arenas that I was telling you about that has like bigger shows. That's the, yeah. I think it's called it's called the Southern New Hampshire um, Center now, but it used to be, you know, it's been through like six or different names, but Monarchs were the biggest, biggest thing there. And now that they're not there, um it's just like you know monster trucks and concerts and you know like elton john and stuff like that but um yeah it it kind of just died it, it died over like the course of only like three years too it was really fast it didn't like fizzle it was just like monarchs are gone <laughs> and they and they stayed an echl team and they still are but they don't even play i don't think they i'm pretty sure they don't even play in that that arena anymore i think they play somewhere else Interesting. Yeah, I, I love the AHL. I'm not gonna lie. You know, I have a team right here in Charlotte. Try That's to get, awesome. yeah. Try to get to as many games as possible throughout the throughout the season. But yeah, Sarah, I truly like hold a place in my heart for the, for the War Memorial. Like, you know, slap shots was filmed there, and it's yeah. just like such a barn, dude. It's no yeah. frills. It's there's, a real barn. It's a real barn. And the there's barn. this like <laughs> secret basement bar that I discovered when I was going to college really? there. Yeah. And it oh, was like, okay. it was the, the hack. And dude, we would sneak in 24 packs. Like, because it's, <laughs> it's winter in Syracuse. So you have layers it's on. You all have, the time in Syracuse. Yeah. So we would literally just pack our sleeves with as many beers as we could. And just walk into <laughs> that's <it>. awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I always tell people that's, uh, you probably because you were in Syracuse, but like you got to stay warm somehow out there. It's it either rains or snows. So <laughs> yep. that's why I'm not kidding you. I was, I was always in a bar when I was a kid. Like that's where I got the four o'clock. Like <laughs> whereabouts in Syracuse did your family live? Uh, we lived in clay. So it's Liverpool area. Okay. So that's like, what do you, it's clay, Liverpool, North Syracuse, I think is what the run is there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that's kind of where we had our spot. But I played. I played at the uh, the fair. That's my home rank was the fairgrounds. Um, so Dude, I, that, I went I mean, to talk. I went to that outdoor game in Syracuse. Oh, at the fairgrounds. that's awesome! Was it? Was, was it sweet? Did they do a good job? Well, did the ice hold up? It well, it started to like blizzard, so that made it oh, kind of bad. Okay. It was definitely was say, cold enough. Like the yeah, it was okay, freezing. Good. But, uh, yeah, good. That's that where all the that that's where they blast. should do the outdoor games. Yeah, oh, that's so cool, dude. Yeah, I yeah. love. I I'll tell you, I love. It's actually days like I'm looking out my window. It's days like today that make me miss uh, Syracuse and, and upstate New York because it's just it's it's a really awesome place. But it is always raining or snowing at all times. That is, it's you don't see a lot of sun out there. <laughs> nope. No, you, you know, you were there for four. You were in Portland for four years. That's the same thing. <laughs> it's the same some, thing. Some would say worse. <laughs> Worse, probably. Yeah. You don't get the lake effect, though, do you? You don't get the, the lake effect uh, storms, do you? No, we would. We would definitely get those. You would? And and it was just one of those things where they were so used to the snow. So when yeah. we got blizzard and, like, literally feet of snow, they would never close school. So we would nope. still have to, like, figure out a way to get to class throughout a, yeah. like, through a blizzard. And sometimes they didn't shovel or plow yet. Oh, that sucks. So, that's bull. That's bull. <laughs> yeah, it would be a mess. Like 
I always tell people, so like New Hampshire, and it has changed because our, our climate has definitely changed. Um, but we're, we, we've always had good, you know, good winters. But I would always tell people, I'm like, you have no idea. Like, they'd complain about, like, snow or how cold it was. I'm like, go live in Syracuse for one some, one winter. I have one. And, and you'll never complain about anything in New Hampshire ever again. <laughs> ever. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So then, you know, obviously – you know, being in New England, you you, you have no choice. You got to be a Bruins fan too. So, yeah. is that kind of how it went? You you just once you made it back, you jumped on the Bruins. Wagon. I was always I was always a Bruins fan. I still was. Like like um, you you also see Bobby over my shoulder too. Um, it, I I grew up a Bruins fan. My dad like had me watching Bruins all the time. Um, we would watch you know old footage on like you know when they would show like the old stuff on ESPN of like Terry, Tara Riley. And, you know, even like um, when I was younger too, like, you know, Bork was, Bork was around. Um, and, you know, I was definitely, I was a center, but I always loved watching Ray Bork play. So I definitely was a, a Bruins fan for sure. And then when I came back, it was like, it kind of felt like when I came back to new England, everything within a couple of years, like New England sports started getting good. Um, so, you know, I was, I would say I was one of the guys that like, out of all my friends, I was definitely a bigger Bruins fan before all of them. Um, I would say my friends, I have a good amount of bandwagon friends for sure when it comes to the Bruins. Um, but yeah, I, my, my, my dad is a huge sports guy and, you know, even growing up in, in, uh, you know, when I say growing up, living there for nine years, the first nine years of my life, like that's very impressionable from a sports perspective if you're an athlete. Um, but my dad raised me as a New England sports fan. So do you have a, a favorite Bruin of all time? Of all time, it's it's definitely it's definitely Bobby Orr. Um, just just watching him play hockey is ma it's magician esque. Um, watching a dude that can just, especially back in those days where you could get hacked to shit, and you know, it the, think of the equipment they were using. That's what I always think about, like especially the equipment, right? Think of what he was doing, like the way he was doing it. Like it's there's a couple players in the world that have had that type of effect on the game. And there's some of them, obviously, like, I think Ovechkin's one of those guys. I think, I think Sydney's one of those guys. Um, but like, he's just, and I know that's a super boring answer and I'll, I'll give you my second one. My second one is Mark Recchi, which is okay. weird. Cause a lot of people don't think of Mark Recchi as a great Bruin, but he was a great Bruin. He was a really good Bruin. So I would, there you go. You got, you got the, you got the obvious answer, but then I'll give you Mark Recchi too. That's my other guy. And I'm a okay. big Patrice guy, but um, I just love Patrice from his, just like his longevity perspective. And he's just one of the best. I'm a face-off artist too. So I pride myself in winning face-offs. Um, he is just special when it comes to that. <laughs> and, and let's talk about the, the cup run because that was kind of like the, the sweet spot. Like I wish that I was, you know, right out of college when my team won a championship, because right? like, at that point you start, you're, you're starting to earn your own money. You, I was living right on college. It was awesome. Yeah, that's what I mean. So like, <laughs> tell me about that run. I will never forget. I went to the, uh, it was my first parade. I'd never gone to a parade. That's what I mean. Uh, like you have the option the... to do cool yeah, things like that. Yeah. So I, I, obviously the Patriots had won a bunch of, you know, uh, before that. And the Sox had won, I think, you know, in the two thousands and there was like two or three of them. Right. Yeah. So I, but I just never went to a parade cause I never really was like, uh, I was cool, but I was like that when they won, I was just like, I was, I never woke up the next morning after a sports game and just smiled because of like what happened the night before. Like I'm very good at like 
separating my emotions from sports because I'm not on the team. I have nothing to do with it. Uh, I'm more just like it's it's supposed to be entertainment. Obviously, there's you know there's emotion tied to it, but. I was on a high for a week. It's all I could talk about at work. It's all I talked about. It's all I talked about anywhere. And uh, it was a, the, the parade was on a Friday. And I remember asking my boss if I could like get it off. And they basically said no. So I took an unpaid day and I just, and at that I was right out of college. So that kind of stung. I was like, Oh, I don't care. I'm doing it. Me and my buddy went down. He's like one of those huge Bruins fans that I've been playing hockey with my whole life. We went down. It's one of the most amazing days, dude. And I met up with my parents. We partied all day. Just one of the best experiences ever. And I think that really culminated. Like you could see everybody in Boston that day. Just like it was, it was pretty magical. Like it was definitely something that that city, that fan base, who's just been so diehard for so long. They, we needed that big time. Like that was big. We needed that because it had been a while. (laughs) Since we were like relevant in the conversation about winning a Stanley Cup, like we all, we've had good teams, but never like you know, holy crap, for as long as I can remember. And you realize because you know you're older and you understand sports and things like that at that po- at that point in your life, just how tough it is to win the Stanley Cup. Like compared to other sports, like football, you win like two or three games and you're in the Super Bowl. Like you're in the Super Bowl. Hockey is a grind, dude. And I realized that with the Islanders, like going to the Eastern Conference final, like myself as a fan, I you was exhausted. I was tired. <laughs> I was like, dude, if they win this game, we still have another series. Like I was burned out. Yeah, staying up. You're like, oh, I can't stay up for another game. And it's like, you're not even playing. <laughs> I know. I know. And it just made I... me realize like, man, can you imagine what these players are going through? And like, yeah. It makes sense why the Islanders didn't have such a great year last year because, like, they went to the Eastern Conference Finals two seasons in a row. Yeah. So, like, they call that the burnout effect, dude. Yeah, like, like they were you can burn burnt out. out. Yep. So, yep. I, I'm I'm just like, I I kind of experienced it, but we we still came up a little short and. Yeah, I don't even know what it's going to be like when I finally get to experience that as a fan. Yeah, because... it's going to be awesome. You got to go to the parade for sure. Make sure you go to the parade. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Um, yo, you're you're going to get one. I think I think that team, especially the way you guys are kind of you know set up right now. Um, I think you got. I think that team. You look at some of the teams out there who are kind of set up in the way that the, the game's moving to, or where it's at now, but also moving to. And Islanders are definitely there. I think you know that's kind of where you look at the the Bruins and be like, what what. What's going on? Like what? Like they're they're playing like out of their skulls right now. Um, but I'll tell you right now, in Boston, we've all seen this with, especially with this team, um, where they're winning at the not the time you really need them to be winning. Um, and I think our age, especially, you know, we're we're an old team. Like that shows itself when you start talking. March, I think, is like really when I, I see February, March, and that's like you know you you have young legs, you have young guns, you have more of like kind of that speed game. I think you're much more poised for a run than you are when you're a team that's kind of you know definitely older, but also has kind of like that older style of play. Like we don't burn and turn anybody in the burn. Like I don't think I I can't remember the last time we had a burn and turn player other and like Pasta is not that guy. Pasta is more of like a playmaker and more of a shot, you know, more of a shooter, if you ask me. So, I don't know. Well, now that I think about it, like, I don't even think the Islanders and the Bruins have played each other yet this year. <laughs> and if they did, I don't even remember that game. Actually, you might be right. 
yeah. I don't watch every single game. Hold on. There's These no are way. things that like we could have researched before, but There's we don't no do that. Anymore. that yeah, we don't do that. Come on. We, 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 we keep it cash. We keep it cash. But I really don't uh, think they have. I feel like I would have remembered at least like something. Yeah, they haven't. They haven't. Their first game is December 13th. That's crazy. They only have one game against each other in 2022, December 13th. Wow. That's insane. Yeah, that is wild. Well, huh? Interesting. Well, good luck to you on December 13th. <laughs> I'll be thinking about I'll be thinking about you. You know what? I probably will watch that game now. I will definitely watch that game no matter what. <laughs> yeah, we can just talk smack to each other. I'll just talk. Yeah, we'll talk. Yeah, I'll just hit you up on uh hit you up on IG and just be like, oh, you know what though? I will say this. I actually like doing that. I like I like talking to people when I watch sports, especially hockey. Um I don't, I always tell people it's funny. Like I, it's, hockey and lacrosse have been the two sports I've played my entire life. And they're the two sports that I watch the least on TV, which is really weird. Um, but when even, I'm watching, even with hockey, like the new reformatted lacrosse league, like the PLL, yeah, like I've heard that I, it's I, I, pretty sweet though. It is cool. That's so I think it's more or less, well, I'll say this availability is one thing for that, for the lacrosse, for lacrosse. Um, when I do watch more, like I watch college lacrosse and stuff like that, but even, even speaking so like to hockey, it's available to me every single night. Um, I throw it on always in the background. Like I'll be working on stuff and I'll listen and I'll watch. And then, you know, we might not watch the whole game, but it's on for, you know, a little bit pretty much. And I do that with the Red Sox too, for the most part, but I don't like just sit down. Like I, like our, our drummer, Mark, um, who wanted to be on today's show. He just, he, he couldn't, uh, he had to work. But he's a he's like a, a a fan that watches every single Bruins game. Like he he does not miss a Bruins game. Um, so like I I'm like different than him. And you know he never really he didn't play a bunch. Like he played a little bit. But I'm just like I don't know if I like what it is why I don't love watching it. If I'm watching it with people, it's different. But I, if I'm just sitting around watching it myself, I, I always find myself like turning it off for some reason. So I don't know. A lot of people think that's weird as like a hockey player that I'll like watch golf nonstop, but then I'll like flip off hockey. I think sports fans kind of go through waves. Like for a couple of years, I was a huge Met fan and like watched almost every single game. And then like, I think I got burnt out. <laughs> yeah. You get burned out. Yeah. And then I, was I got burnt like, out by the socks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then I was just like, you know what? Hockey was always my first love, and it it really. So, do you watch every? Do you watch pretty much like every Islanders game? Well, now I'm a, a, a father of a two year old. <laughs> yeah, <so. laughs> congratulations, by the way. <laughs> that kind of throws a wrench in things that I want to do. Um, right. I I try to. I, I I try to watch every Islander game. Yeah. Um, and it it is like sometimes like what I look forward to on a like a crappy work day. I'm like, you know what? Just yeah. gonna get through this day, and I get to watch the Islanders, and it's kind of just like I, yeah. a time where I just let everything go, and I'm just like yeah. in the moment watching a hockey game for a I couple hours. Yeah, I would say actually I do that too. With the I do do that with the Bruins uh, out of probably any team that I follow. Um, like if I'm like like you literally what you just said. Like if if I had a bad day, or if like just something like if I'm like I really just want to like watch a sporting event and just like not look at my phone. It's going to be the like because the, the the Patriots that's Sunday and that's like a whole day we do football and all that type of stuff. But like on a random Tuesday, 
you know, I do actually find myself being like, you know what, I'm just going to watch the Bruins and I'm not going to look at my phone. I'm just going to, you know, I'll, I'll throw down a bet, but I'm not going to look at my phone. I'll look at it later. <laughs> That's the other thing. I do the in-game betting now with like, with, uh, with hockey. Oh God, don't, don't ever do that. He's just like, <laughs> I guess I gotta say use promo code <laughs> THPN, right? I feel like the hockey podcast right, network would be right there, right there, right? Yeah. They'd be yeah. mad. At that. <laughs> say that. Yeah, there you go. But, um, but yeah, actually, it's funny. I, I'll tell you a little side story about DraftKings. I used to work with the founder and CEO. Um, he was my camp counselor, and then I actually was his uh, at a day camp. And then uh, he was like a counselor when I was like a CIT, like a training counselor. Little so he's bit. a New Hampshire guy? He is. He's from Merrimack, New Hampshire. Yep. Interesting. Very cool. Yep. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, like when it comes to, when it comes to hockey, I think one of the, like everything for me, it's like, I would rather... Like if I'm watching it with somebody, I will watch an entire day of hockey. Um, but I think it's, you know, that's kind of how I always had done about hockey. Like for me as a, as a hockey player, like I have so many things in my life because of hockey, like everything from like personality traits to like some of my best friends to this day. Um, hockey's always been like more of like a, a cultural thing for me than just a sport. Like, cause it's been so, it's a huge part of my life. I've been playing since I was four and you know, all my dad's really good friends are all, hockey dads <laughs> you know what i mean and same thing like it's just it is what it is and, but that's that's hockey when you play your when, when you play it becomes a big part of your life because there's so much that goes into it especially when you're a youth it's pretty crazy oh yeah shout out to all the hockey moms and all dads, the hockey cause... moms and dads like you guys are the realest <laughs> the yeah. realest actually so much that i i tell my we don't have kids i've been married for 10 years um if we have a boy or girl it doesn't matter if we ever do i would probably maybe not want them to play hockey for a couple different reasons um, yeah, same, same. yeah. <laughs> i mean i refed my whole life too so i stopped refing when i was 20 right when i when i finished college i was the last game, pretty much game i refed um so i've seen hockey from every perspective <laughs> and i don't want i don't i'm good i don't need my kids playing hockey <laughs> no uh, i'm good it's it's those early morning or late night practices and things like that it, and it's super expensive too yeah it's the most expensive it has to be the most i don't know for a fact but it has to be the most expensive view sport because i always say like people go like well why why and i go what do kids do every year they grow skates cost 400 dollars. god forbid they're a goalie like my brother had new pads every year because if you have that little inch you're gonna get hurt. You gotta. Yeah. It's gotta fit. You know, same thing with like anything. It's just it's crazy. Like, and then the ice time and you know, the leagues that you. But let's be real. Like, to... it's even expensive to play men's league hockey. And like, oh yeah, like you're an adult with five hundred bucks for ten games. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> but yeah. I can tell you why. I I know why though. Like I, as a referee, I made a lot of money refereeing hockey. I will tell you that right now. I made a ton of money refereeing hockey. So the refs get paid good and the ice is expensive for sure. Yeah. I know that. I know that. I think even men's league refs get paid pretty good. I never did men's league. I did um I did do some like, you know, like I the highest I ever did was women's I did a women's college game a couple times. Um I never did men's league because I never wanted to subject myself to that. Like that, why would you <laughs> why would you want to be a babysitter basically for an hour yeah. with a bunch of grown men? And especially like the games where you get guys that think it's the Stanley Cup and it's like, oh my God, get me the hell out of here. Like I have skated off before. <laughs> like I'm good. I'm done with this game. Yeah. Yep. Touche. Well, Colin, yeah. man, it was a blast hanging and, and chatting promise game and chatting Bruins and Sabres yeah, and was a blast. don't blink and all those great things. So um, 
I, I do want to leave everyone with your latest single, Connecticut. Yeah. So make sure you head over to Spotify, Apple Music, head over to the, Anywhere. the link in the bio. I'm sure they got one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, check the bio. Yep. Check the bio and, and <laughs> add the song to your playlist if you have one. Share it with your friends. Absolutely. And uh, we'll, we'll stay in touch, Colin. It, it was a blast. Yeah, thanks man. so much, Mikey. Really appreciate it, man. It was awesome talking to you. All right. See Have you a good one, man. Go out, go Islanders. I'm a, Thanks, I'm a man. man of, I'm a man of everything. Go Islanders, go Bruins, go Sabres. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, dude. Later guys. See ya.